What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hello, I'm Helen, the owner of Helen's Wines here in Los Angeles, the city of love. Okay, I don't think we're the city of love, but we're in LA. Helen's Wines, it's gem box little wine shops that are located in the front and the back of John and Vinny's restaurant in Los Angeles. It's a vibe. You come check us out. You can come drink some wine. You can buy some wine. You can do a flight before you take a flight, especially if you're visiting from out of Tizown. But I'm Helen, and this is my podcast, Wine Face, where we break down the ins and outs, the ups and the downs, the basement to the penthouse of wine, what's happening. And we do it all in a digestible way so that you don't feel like, what the f- hell is she talking about? Okay, I was about to drop an F-bomb, and I did not, because you might have kids in the car. They want to learn about wine, too. Start them young, right? Not drinking, but learning. All right, so today is kind of a special day. Uh, Last night, I watched Homecoming, the Beyonce Netflix movie, and I got to say, put a whole new perspective into my life. That woman is amazing. Just shout out Beyonce. I loved it. I wanted to dance all night after seeing it. I think that I'm a superstar now and you're the best. So I'm not sorry. (laughs) If you get that, then you're a Beyonce fan. All right. So today, all right, all right, all right. I'm having a little Matthew McConaughey morning. Today we're talking about the Jura in France. This is the intro to the Jura. Now, Jura is spelled J-U-R-A. When I say it, Jura, it sounds like it's going to have way more letters and way more complications and maybe an accent. But if you were going to say it like an Americana, you would say the Jura. It's the Jura, but it's the Jura. You want to kind of zhuzh the J, the Jura. The Jura is in France. Um, It's countryside. It's soft rolling hills. It's babbling brooks. Okay, I saw two babbling brooks when I was in the Jura. And so to me, there's babbling brooks everywhere. But there are a few rivers, streams, babbling brooks. The water is so crystal clear. It's coming down from the mountains. It informs their farming. It fuels. There was a couple little windmills I saw. I mean, it's it's an old school part of France. They're OG. They are rooted in tradition. It is definitely the country countryside. People have cows, geese, ducks, sheep, 
They got little baby chickens. They're eating fresh farm eggs. It's a vibe and it's amazing. It's located in central eastern France. So it's kind of sandwiched between Geneva in Switzerland and the Burgundy region of France, which we've talked about before, where you make Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, and it all is bedazzled and amazing because of the Jurassic limestone that the grapes are growing in. (laughs) Shout out Burgundy. But the Jura, so it's central eastern France, literally super close to Geneva. And it's Swiss Beats, y'all. It's got those Swiss Beats vibes. And it's the best region ever for this very specific wine that we're going to talk about. The thing I love about the Jura is that it's it's its own thing. Like there isn't, what's happening in the Jura is not happening anywhere else in the world. It's not happening anywhere else in France. The grape varietals, the tradition, the winemaking style is so specific to that place that it's really inspiring. And the tragedy is that there's a fear that over time, the traditions that we're going to talk about today that are associated with the Jura are going to be lost and people are going to lose interest. So I'm here to revive. We're going to put a little pep in the Jura step. I don't know what that was, but maybe it was like, we're cleaning the windshield. We're getting, we're taking away the foggy mist of what is the Jura and it's going to be crystal clear in the next 20 minutes. So as I said, everything is super deeply rooted in tradition. When I was there, even some of the words I was saying to describe the winemaking style, this winemaker, Jean-Francois Bordy was like, oh, no, 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 what? I would not say that. Cause it's, even though my perception of it is accurate, they have their own. It's almost like Jura wine runs through their veins. It's part of their blood. Um, I called the wine oxidative and he was like, it is not oxidative, but he's also like cheeky and he's saying it in this kind of sweet way. And he's got this epic mustache. So it was more of a conversation and less of a scolding, but it kind of felt like a scolding at first. Rooted in tradition, super old school. And I've got to say with that old schoolness, there's a little bit of like a stubborn vibe. Like this is the way we do it. We do not want people to do it any other way. And you know what? In this situation, I really respect it because the Jura is like this amazing little bubble that we really need to preserve and kind of highlight and enjoy and embrace and pair with food. That's the most important thing is these wines are epic wines to pair with food. It's also really well known for just a specific amount of grapes. It's not it's not planting new varietals. There are very specific varietals that grow super well in the Jura. So for white wine, there's a grape that some of you might be familiar with. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, um, Chardonnay. So they do grow Chardonnay there. And it grows really well, but it tastes very different than Chardonnay you've had anywhere else. You can get traces that, yes, this is Chardonnay, but it's stylistically a much zippier, brighter, fresher expression of Chardonnay. And then the other white grape varietal that is predominantly grown is called Sauvignon. Not Sauvignon like Sauvignon Blanc, but Sauvignon. You kind of like do a little at the end of it. It's spelled S-A-V-A-G-N-I-N. That's where the nyin comes from. Seven yin. Uh, you could sing it too. Because you know I'm Beyonce now, so it's all good. Uh, and then there's red varietals that are grown. 
all of the wine from the Jura is light. It's light expressions. It's thin skin, red grape varietals. So the first two that are the most specific to the Jura that are not really grown elsewhere, except there's a cool new like outcropping of Jura varietals being planted in California. What, what? We'll talk about that a little later. Um, so the first varietal is called Pulsard. It's spelled P-O-U-L-S-A-R-D. And the second varietal is called Trousseau. Um, and so those, I know they're not very common. A lot of people haven't heard of them, but it's Pulsard, Trousseau. And then the other two red grape varietals that are planted that might be a little more well-known are Gamay for red and Pinot Noir for red wine. But Pulsard and Trousseau definitely rule the roost. There is like a good amount of Gamay and Pinot Noir planted, probably more Pinot than Gamay. Gamay is like very, very seldom. And usually if there's a blend of three varietals in the Jura, it's Pinot Noir, Pulsard, and Trousseau. Gamay is like such a side piece. It's not even in the regular rotation that often. Um, There's a couple, there's five major appellations in the Jura. So Jura is the overall appellation. That's like Mama Appellation or Jean Controli. So Jura is the AOC. And then within the Jura, there's five primary villages that are the AOC subregions. Um, but my favorite ones and the ones we're going to talk about today, my three favorite guys are Chateau Chalon, Arbois, and L'Etoile. So if you know anything about the Jura or you take anything away from here, oh, and side piece, uh, the Cote de Jura is an AOC designation. And there's a lot of lovely Cote de Jura out there. But when we talk about French wine and when we're talking about a specific area, what's so interesting and about it is when you get site specific. And there's always a reason for this site specificity. And that's because the soil is bomb.com and unique and special whenever we're talking about one of these regions. So the Arbois is the first one I want to touch on. I'll go and save the best for last, which is Chateau Chalon. Uh, uh, uh. Okay, so the Arbois, sorry, it's a very musical Friday over here. The Arbois is amazing because it's virtually, it's this beautiful picturesque um, little village and or little area. And it's anchored by a village called Poupillon. Um, and so it's Arbois-Poupillon. They're separate, like the Arbois is the overall region and Poupillon is probably like the bee's knees of that area. Um, it's amazing because it's virtually like one thin strip of a specific kind of soil that's called argeocalcareous soil. And that soil is hugging slopes of blue, gray, and red marl. And so this is very, very unique to this area. They're hugging the slopes. It's kind of transcending. It's like one strip that starts higher and moves a little bit lower and and spreads out beneath it. And as it spreads out, it's got this calcareous agrio soil that hugs blue, gray, and red marl slopes. Now you might be like, WTF is marl, and I'm with you. So marl is clay and lime soil, aka it's like a lime-rich mud. And for all my vegetable growers out there or green thumbs, my little gardeners, you know who you are. And by the way, everyone should get into gardening because This shit is hitting the fan and you need to know how to survive. Okay, that's a whole other podcast. But back to the wine. So 
lime is really like it's a soil acidifier and it's really good when you're planting agricultural products. Sometimes you can have too much lime and that would definitely not be dope on a rope, but in essence, lime is good. And so it's lime rich mud. Um, and then you got Poupion, the village of Poupion, which is like the most awesome area. My other favorite part is La Toile, um, which is, it translates to star in French. I love La Toile as well. Uh, it's, it's not, Arbois is probably my favorite part of the Jura. La Toile is super cool as well. Um, my favorite producer over there is this this family called Montbourgeau. We'll talk about them a little bit later. But um, those soils have a little bit, a slightly different composition. Uh, they have a little bit more soil that's rich for growing Chardonnay um, and Sauvignon. And whereas the Arbois, there's a lot of red wines that are produced in that area. Um, so it's got like a really, a different, a different kind of vibe going on in Latoile. And then last but not least is Chateau Chalon. Three-pointer, three-pointer, three-pointer. Chateau Chalon is epic. It's kind of like the unspoken Grand Cru part of the Jura. And you know what? When you go there, because I know all of you guys are going to go there, or I hope you do, it's almost like you're standing in this epic amphitheater that is hushed. It's hushed. It's so beautiful. I can't even... It's like vineyards wrapping around and then in an amphitheater around this like m amazing uh, stone structure that's like shooting up into the sky. And then on the top of that stone structure, or the stone outcropping is a medieval village, the medieval village of Chateau Chalon that's built on top. Um, it's like the most breathtaking part of the Jura. It's a Grand Cru, but it's not technically the Grand Cru because there is no Grand Cru in the Jura by the wine laws. But it, between me and you, it's got like Grand Cru vibes. And its vineyards are named after that hilltop medieval village. Uh, it's only for the Sauvignon grape. So the white wine Sauvignon grape. And it's ideal for making a wine called Van Jean. Um, so you're standing in this epic place. There's these amazing small vineyards. Everyone's in there working by hand. You cannot bring a machine in there. It's just literally impossible. The slopes are not that steep. They're not crazy steep, but it's just the delicacy of the place. The site specificity is just informing you into why this epic, epic place can make an epic wine like a Van Jean, which I'm going to tell you what that is. The other thing is the soil has a little more iron in it. It's a little bit more red. Um, so they plant only Sauvignon there. That's the only thing that's planted in Chateau Chalon. Many different producers have vineyard plots in Chateau Chalon. So what's confusing about this part of the Jura is it's called like Chateau Chalon. So I think sometimes people might think like, oh, it's one chateau making this wine, but it's actually many different chateau, uh, many different producers making wine from there. And so Van Jean is, is, is what I was talking about when it's, there's such a specific wine that that comes from the Jura, that's the heart of the Jura, that isn't like anything else and that all the other wine is implicated by. So if Van Jean is the heart, beating heart of the Jura, I'm going to tell you what the hell Van Jean is. So it's spelled V-I-N, new word J-A-U-N, and it translates to yellow wine. So first of all, news alert, you all heard about orange wine? Well, we're talking about 
yellow wine. Yep, that's right. Mic drop, new color of wine, Vanjon up in the house. Vanjon wines are often compared to sherry in their style. If you're not familiar with sherry, um, it's sort of like a dry, savory, sometimes aromatic, fortified um, beverage that is slightly oxidized. So if you've ever, not a sweet sherry, a dry sherry. So they're sometimes compared to that, but Van Jean's are oh so much more and they're not as high in alcohol and not as strong. Um, But basically it tastes like an oxidized wine. And I know winemakers in the Jura probably hate if I said it that way, but it's uh, the, the way that they make Van Jean is you let the Sauvignon gra- grapes ripen just like a tiny bit longer. You pick the grapes. And after fermentation, when you are aging the wine in the barrel, you do not top off the barrel and you oxidatively age the Sauvignon wine under a blanket. Now, this is not like a cozy blankie, Pendleton blankie. This is a blanket that's called a voile, um, or which translates to veil. And it's literally a veil, like a thin layer of natural developing yeast floats on the top and protects the wine from too much oxygen. It's a, it's a mind blowing process, but basically the wine like chills out like that for a long ass time. And underneath the Sauvignon is like just chilling and gaining essence and vibe and these slight oxidative characters that are like, it's like if you're taking a bite of like super dry lemon meringue pie. And then it also uh, has like this zip and energy and ah, oh, it's just so good. I want everyone to drink Van John all the time. It's the perfect food wine. So Van John is the cozy blanky, sleepy, tired wine of the jar. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Because it's not tired. Because when you take it out of the bottle, you pour it in your glass, you realize that this wine is energetic. It's tense. It's bright. It's fresh. It's clean. But then it has that oxidative note that not everyone's palate is prepared for. So I just do want to give that as a precursor. Um, if you don't know what an oxidative flavor would taste like, you could think about sherry. But you could also think about it, I'm trying to think the best way to describe it without it sounding kind of gross, because in concept and in theory, I think it's harder to explain than in practice and on your in your mouth. But it's almost as if you had like, it's like stainless steel, it's really clean, but then it also has this like waxy mid palate. It's not sweet, super dry. It's like a lemon drop. Boing, in a fresh pond. It's really good. It's like those babbling brooks that are running all up in the Jura. Um, so that's the style of Van Jean. To be a Van Jean, it has to be only Sauvignon, has to be older vines. There's like, it has to be a great vintage. You know, it has to be a specific vine age. There's a lot of classifications to make it a Van Jean. And they're also a little more expensive because that shit's like hanging around. Like current release for most people on Van John, if you were going to come in and buy one, would be 2010, maybe 2009 or 2011. But they hang around in the cellar for a long time. They have to stay, stay in barrel, I think, 60 months or something crazy like that. But Van John also informs the winemaking style for the white wines. So not all white wine from the Jura is a Van John. There's also white wine made from Sauvignon and Chardonnay 
or those two blended together. And there's two styles that you can make a white wine. You can make it voile or the veiled style, like a Vangeon, where you have a slight oxidative uh, component, or oui, spelled O-U-I-L-L-E. It's basically the fresh style where you do not allow a blanket to form on top and you make the wine like you would any other white wine. I mean, it's slightly different and specific to the Jura, but you're not putting it through any sort of excessive oxidative aging process. And the fresh wines, I love them as much as I love the blanket wines. They're all super, super delicious and energetic. I think there is a little bit of a fear among an older generation in the Jura that some of the younger winemakers are moving more towards making a fresher style, oh oui, that's how you, like that's what it would refer to for Sauvignon and Chardonnay, and that some of the tradition of that style of a Jura wine will be lost. And I, I personally really hope that doesn't happen because I love love both styles equally. And then for the reds, let's talk about those. So Trousseau and Poussard are the most sort of rare grapes that you probably haven't heard about before. And when they make red wine in the Jura, typically they'll make a Trousseau, single varietal, like that's the only grape in there. And they'll make a Pulsard. They're fresh, they're clean, they have energy. There's always a little bit of a cranberry note. Pulsard is even lighter than Trousseau, typically. It has more of that tart cranberry going on. They they like to be chilled down a little bit. They're elegant. I couldn't compare them to any other red wine, really. I mean, some people would be like, are they light like Pinot Noir and Gamay? They are, but they don't have the juiciness. They don't have the fruit component. It's a totally different beast. And when they're blended together, they're awesome, but typically there's also some Pinot Noir blended with them. That Those would be the three grapes blended together. It's an absolutely mind-bendingly amazing place to indulge in wine if you want to go on a magic carpet ride. I served Alex um, a wine the other night, and it was not a Vangeon, but it was a wine that was aged uh, in the voile, under the veil. It was a 2011 Sauvignon from Domaine de la Pont. And we had it with garlicky broccoli pasta, which is definitely not a classic pairing for that. But two mornings later, when we woke up, he was like, hey, baby, uh, do you think it's possible that I can get some more of that like oxidized wine? And I was like, hell yeah, babe. So it's really like sneaks up on you. It's one of these like magical wines that gets into your soul and you just want to sort of embrace it. It has so much depth, history, energy. They're so, so good. Red wines, again, light, ethereal. It's almost like you're dancing through a moss covered forest with fairies. They're so unbelievably amazing. The major players, the players that I love and can get down with, ones that we have in the shop, wines that like I I can always get behind, Michel Gaillet, Jean-Francois Bordie, uh, Domaine de la Pont, uh, Bruyère and Huillon, which we rarely get any of them because they're such small production, but they're these like hot young winemaker in our bois holler, Overnoy Cricond and Domaine Cradoz. Those are probably my favorite, favorite of all the Jura producers, but 
There's a lot of good one. And Domaine Montbourgeau, who I mentioned before, they make this kick-ass Cremant, which is a sparkling wine made in the Champagne style. But because the wines, you know, the Jura as a region is a little bit colder. It's like a little higher elevation. So it has very, very cold, cold winters. So the grape ripening index is different for Chardonnay or Pinot Noir as compared to other regions like AKA Burgundy, which is right to the West. Um, the Jura man, the Jura woman, the Jura y'all. It's just so good. The last thing I'm going to leave you with is something I learned about when I was visiting the Jura. And we were sitting at dinner and this winemaker, Jean-Francois, was like, you know, I got to tell you about this hot tip. He has a very thick French accent, but, and he definitely didn't say hot tip, but I'm going to, I'm going to put it in my own words. He's like, let me tell you about the hot tip that all the people in the Jura do, especially around the holidays. And I know it's summer and this might not make sense, but California gets pretty cold at night, gets deserty. You sometimes want a blanket. So you get this cheese. It's called Mont d'Or, apostrophe big O-R, Mont d'Or. And what you do is you get the Mont d'Or, you take a sharp knife, and you just cut the top of the Mont d'Or off. It's a circular, like, rind cheese. So you cut the top off, put the top to the side. You scoop out little pockets in the Monte Or, and you put cloves of garlic in the pockets, and then you pour Van Jean into those pockets. You put the top back on, you put it on a baking sheet, and you put it in the oven at like 350 degrees for like 30 to 45 minutes. And it is heaven. Like it's this slightly stinky but creamy cheese, and the garlic's incorporated, and the Van Jean is just like taking the cheese to this whole new level. It's like fondue on fleek. And what the tradition in the Jura is to have like roasted potatoes that you dip into it. But like I'm a big fan of crusty bread, so you can dip whatever you want in there. But that's a hot tip for you. Another good pairing with Jura white wine specifically is crustaceans. Like I'm talking about lobster. I'm talking about shrimp. I'm talking about something with a little bit of a saffrony broth. Saffron's the new sexy. You heard it here first. Anyway, that was intro to Jura. I encourage everybody to go out and try a Jura wine. They are epic, epic good times. This is Helen from Helen's Wines, just bringing you into my Jura mindset. This is Wine Face, the podcast that is breaking you down all the ins and outs of wine, how, where, what, what's in them, what's good about them. As a sidebar, all these Jura wines are usually organically farmed, small, small production. Helenswines.com. If you want more information on Jura Wines or visit me on Instagram at Helen's Wines, please subscribe, rate, and review. And DM me if there's any episodes that you would like to hear, any wine that you have questions about, any pairings you're curious about. Thank you. I'm out.